Welcome to the first in a long time, just in the nick of time. Yes, uh, turns hey. out uh, two college seniors doing a podcast, uh, sometimes the college senior part <laughs> has to come before that podcast part. So, right, uh, right, and, and uh, college newspaper staffers, that, yeah. that, that's important. So, um, welcome to our weekly, quarterly, monthly, biannual, semi-annual once a century, we are like a comet, okay? We come back, circle the earth once more, and you are all blessed to have our presence I'm, in I'm your Spotify like, feeds. Think of like some phases of the moon. Type thing. <laughs> like, we come in and out, like the podcast is only there when the conditions are right. And like when it's not cloudy and you can see it and it's not too cold to go out and look at it. You know? it's like, I, I think it's like... We can only, um, it, it's like, it's like the beginning of the, uh, Age of Aquarius song from Hair, like, when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, like, it, very specific things need to happen in the astrological order for Justin and I to be able to have, like, a free hour at the same time, and it all almost fell apart at the eleventh hour when I overslept my alarm this morning, so this is my public apology to Justin that he came down here at 9 a.m., and I yeah. wasn't there, but it's it's been a minute, ladies and or gentlemen. How are we? Oy. Thanks for answering, audience. We appreciate your feedback. Um, at, at, at Justin on Twitter, don't at me. Um, Even better yet, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Doesn't that help our algorithms or something? Probably. I'm going to go review my own podcast. You already podcast. have. I have? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not bad we are coming up with new, like, funny material. We circle back. <laughs> Again, we, we I, it's because Mercury's in retrograde or something. But um, it's been a minute. But how are you, listeners? Good. Glad to hear it. So when we last left you. Or I'm sorry, in case you're not doing well. Yeah, that's rough. I, I, I was a little too positive. I may have come on strong there. If it's been a rough few months, which, like, honestly, for the world, it has. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it, I, okay. Just, just going to throw out kind of a list of, like, greetings and things that might apply for you. Sorry for your loss. Congrats on the promotion. Mazel tov on your wedding. Um, congrats on the new baby. Uh, sorry about the new baby. Uh, depending on your disposition towards the baby. Um, what a, God, what a nice new car. Did you get a haircut? Um, what, what am I missing? May their memory be a blessing. Um, happy Hanukkah. We missed that. Yes. Happy Halloween. Halloween? Um. Merry Thanksgiving. Yeah, Merry Thanksgiving, miss. Uh, although we haven't missed Christmas yet. So we, we, we're wishing you Merry Christmas in advance. Depending on if we get this up, we might. <laughs> God, Boxing day for all our Canadian listeners. And our British listeners. British people don't count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Justin's going full Boston Tea Party up in here. Oh, um, oh British people. I, you're fun. We haven't recorded a podcast since my Red Sox beat your Yankees in the wild card game. Yes, that is a thing that happened. I would just like to say I did not even expect this Red Sox team to make the playoffs. 
let alone to make the actual big boy playoffs. But as soon as we beat the Yankees, I was like, this team has done its job and was worth every penny of the money we put into it. Heim Bloom is a genius, and I love him. Um, happy end of F1 to everyone. We'll get to that. Yes. And um, sorry about your car's extended warranty finally being over. I, I, I don't know. D- don't worry about the money dumped into Bitcoin. It'll bounce back, I'm sure. Is Bitcoin down? I have no clue. I, I kind of pride myself. I pride myself on not knowing what Bitcoin's doing. I know next to nothing about that whole sphere. I just find it really funny that it exists. So I like mentioning it because, like, I, I know more than I. There's this entire fake world of money <laughs> and bored apes and like <laughs> images on a server that you paid on the rights to. Ugh, NFTs yes. break my brain. That is like the stupidest way to launder money possible. So I'm kind of glad it exists in a way. I, okay, is that a like? I kind of figured that that was a big part of the, the like the problem is that people were paying in cash. I, I guess I don't know how you would pay in cash for an NFT, but there must be a way because there's no other way that this market would be propping itself up unless it's organized crime. Oh, it has to be. There's no other way. And if you're going to do organized crime... This know, is the lamest way to do it. Which makes it the funniest. Like, imagine, like, a mob movie. Like, mob movies, there was, like, the dryers or, like, the meat trucking business. Yeah. Imagine that where it's like, hey, yo, Tony, I got this picture of an ape smoking a joint. Give me $300,000 for it. <laughs> it's, it's like the Lufthansa heist from Goodfellas, but yeah. instead nobody leaves their mom's basement. They all eat Chinese food. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, well, yeah. So when we last left our heroes, the Cornhusker football team, yep. the pride of all Nebraska, that's Things the were. Band. We, <sighs> the, the I've gone band. on my band rant so many times rant. on this podcast. My band. I think you've made that exact joke before. Uh, yeah, again, it's getting it cyclical. Again. It's getting cyclical. I, I've already. My thoughts about the Cornhusker marching band. I have softened uh, on my stance. They're allowed to be there, and they're allowed to play at halftime. But after a legitimately exciting thing. The last thing I need to hear is a bunch of trombones right next to me going ba 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 ba. The old people are there for the band, and and we desperately need an over sixty section in the stadium. We need to put all the people who are over sixty together in the stadium, way at the top. And instead of, like, actually showing them the football game that is happening, we need to have just, like, a big screen right in front of them just showing the Johnny Rogers miracle run on loop for two for an hour. We'll keep the sellout streak. Because those are the people who are giving up. They don't want to go out and be cold and shit, right? So yeah. if we just play old Husker highlights for the olds, then we can watch this miserable new team that is ours, and they can be happy. Yes. Yeah. I'm not totally against that. If, if it keeps the number on the side of the stadium going up, then it's worth it. Oh, my and, God. And plus, we, no one will yell at you to sit down after standing up during a football game. We will get there. But just to orient Husker fans on the last time we sat down, and also by way of explanation as to why we haven't sat down and talked about 
anything in such a long time. We're a pretty sporadic podcast outside of the Husker football season, but in past years, which yeah. we've done, this would have been our fourth season. Our third, because we did the 2019 season. We did, did 2020. We did not do 2018. We didn't do our freshman year? No. Really? Yeah, because I... Because I came up, because I approached you with the idea at like the like the party on the union sophomore year. Where just was that sophomore year? I think so. Really? Okay. Well, this would have been our third season. Yeah. For the pod, um, and like we're seniors. I don't know. We'll probably like have conversations and post them in this thread in the future after yeah. we like graduate. But it's not going to be regular week in week out talk about Husker football uh, no. because we can't even do that now. Because the concept of talking about Husker football after that Oklahoma game, and it wasn't that Oklahoma game, really. No, the, it, the Oklahoma game was, in terms of low points on the season, a high point. Yeah. Like, it was our best, like, my favorite of our losses. Ooh, that, that's a fun game. I was going to play what's the most painful loss later. But favorite loss, Oklahoma's definitely up there. Of losses you felt the least bad about. I Oklahoma, think, maybe Michigan, but at that no, point... Michigan was... Michigan's my pick for the worst. Really? I was so I wasn't there. Oh, I was no. in a I was in a dorm room in Grinnell, Iowa, hanging out with a bunch of liberal arts students watching the game, and all of them were like, "Dude, they... uh, Grinnell College." Yeah, Grinnell College. Shout out to, I'm getting the name wrong probably. Jack Taylor, still the NCAA holder for most points in a college basketball game. He dropped like 120 some. Okay, that's, I, that's all I know Grinnell from. I am definitely going to a Grinnell basketball game. At some point next semester. Yep. And I'm very excited about it because they play such an incredibly weird style of basketball. Shout out to my girlfriend, Nikki Kreutzian, who goes to Grinnell. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I got almost blissfully disconnected from this team at times. Uh, had I been at this Michigan game, I would be way more upset than I am now. Yeah, like, I, I think that has to a big reason of why that's my personal number one. I guess we'll just jump into this segment right away. The way the season was going was Michigan was, like, our last hope to have, like, a good team this year, in my opinion. Not just a good team, but, like, to get over the hump. Because the Illinois game, week zero, everything that could have went wrong did. We still almost somehow tied it at the end there. Mm -hmm. We, like, that was obviously not great, and it was really bad, but... It's work with the ball. Plenty of teams fart week one or week zero and then go on to solid seasons afterwards. Look at Pitt, who lost to Western Michigan week one mm. and won the ACC later. Mm -hmm. So that you can mark off as not a big deal as long as the rest of the season goes well. Uh, Oklahoma, as we met, briefly touched on, very winnable, but they played well enough to not embarrass themselves, which was above our expectations. So that was fine. Michigan State, it's literally just don't punt it that way and you win the game. Mm. That's an easily fixable mistake. And right, you come back right. Home. So, like, just don't do anything like that again. And then the next game after that, you're at home, night game against Northwestern. And I have not seen the Huskers at home against a conference opponent look that dominant in years. Mm. Like, that was... Yeah. I get Northwestern's a really bad team, but that was exactly what really good teams do to really bad teams. Yeah. It was 54 to 7. So, mm -hmm. like, did the high chain was off the I charts. thought we potted after Northwestern. Did we, we just did have not. a long conversation? I think we just had a long conversation. That makes sense. 
Yeah. So, and then, so when Nebraska football has the high point of, I don't want to say the Scott Frost tenure, but at least since 2019. Is that, hold the phone. Is that the high point of Scott Frost? No, I would say beating Michigan State uh, freshman year to, they were a team with a winning record coming into Lincoln. Last home game of the year. It was like a 9-6 to six victory. It was in the snow. Only field goals were scored. And Nebraska won that game to secure winning four of its last six games. So I think at that point, fans were feeling better about the direction of the program than at any other point. It was when you win four out of your last six. Yeah, that's including true. Including a win against a quality opponent like Michigan State, who is still Scott Frost's best win today. So, uh, hey, yo. And... Uh, so the Northwestern game was at least up there because a home blowout of a conference opponent at night, everything that could go right did go right, and for once, in what felt like years, the national media and people who like aren't Nebraska fans were like, whoa, there might be something to Nebraska. Because like they've had two close losses against ranked teams, a week zero thing that's looking kind of like a fluke. And they just gave Northwestern the second biggest blowout win yeah. between two Power 5 teams this year. I mean, we we really, truly gave them the business. Yes. And um, it was a fun game to go to in person. In hindsight, I think that is, as it was a win, obviously one of the games that saved Scott Frost's job. Yes, I think. And so in hindsight, I wish it hadn't happened. It. What's that? <laughs> We'll get to this later, but I think that is one of the two games this season that saved Scott Frost's job. What's the other one? I think Ohio State. Really? Because, yeah, I should jump in a bit ahead, but, like, after Purdue, like, you left that game early. Like, the student section was 25% full. Yeah. Because that game ended. Yeah. That was a winnable game against Purdue's a good team. But that's a team you should be able to beat. I rather famously, like, left the Purdue. I got, yeah. like, a bunch of DMs after I made the tweets about how I was leaving early. You and people were upset with me. Left. But I, I will defend that. And the, the reason I talked about it was not that I think it's a big deal if I leave a football game. Who gives a damn? I'm just a fan. It's not a big deal. What I thought was interesting was how many people, not just students, but fans across the stadium, there were still chips on the table. There yes. was that was still very winnable, yeah, and yet the, the we all sport. knew, like the vast majority of the stadium knew. And I, all the respect, of the world, you're probably like I, I don't think, I think the whole discourse around being a good fan or a better fan is pretty bullshit because these are all just like corporations that we choose to back, and like being a fan is a very personal experience, and there's no such thing as being a good fan or a bad fan as and much as it is, like, you drank that Coca-Cola correctly. We just consume this thing, right? It, exactly, and almost no fandom in the college football world holds themselves to as high of a standard as we do. No, and it's exhausting, and it's exhausting because in the state it has to get extrapolated to everything. You can't just be a fan. You can't just be a supporter. You have to be a fanatic about all of your teams, right? And it's, like... It gets really, really stupid really quickly. It's a lot like rock and roll fans. And like, if I say, like, oh, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, people are like, oh, name their best three songs, man. <laughs> like, you can't wear the hat if you can't name the best three songs. It's like, dude, like, I... 
I don't care so much about the, like, B-side deep cuts of most of my teams. I will look at New Orleans' record at the end of the year. If they make the playoffs, I will watch them in the playoffs. But I don't really give a shit. I like the city, and it's my family's team. You know? Uh, and the Huskers are the team I care the most about, for better or worse. Yeah. You know? Certainly not the sport I care the most about. But, mm-hmm. like, the specific team, saving for maybe Liverpool, right? But it's like... I just... These people take all the fun out of it. These people who say you're a fake fan if you leave. It's like, are you so desperate for a victory that our team cannot give you? That you are going to neg other people for doing the most reasonable course of action for the rest of your day. I left that Purdue game. I'm glad I left that Purdue game. Had we won that Purdue game, I still would have been glad I left that Purdue game. They almost did. No, totally. touchdown and a... had a perfect look at an onside kick that Cam Taylor Britt just dove at the wrong time for. Let, let me tell you this. When I was walking out, we heard the roar of that touchdown, right? Yeah. I had made it to, like, Kimball Recital Hall at this point. And right? he just kept walking. Everyone kind of paused. And we didn't know, like, should we cheer? Should we turn around and, like, go back at least close to the stadium? And then it was one of the weirdest moments. Everyone just kind of simultaneously said, I'm sorry, kids. Fuck it. Like, who cares? It's Purdue. Right? Like, if, if if we had been that close against Ohio State, first of all, I don't think we would have left. Like, right at the end. Like, and, and a lot of people, like, those bigger games, those teams that we could have knocked off and it would have been a big deal, I doubt anybody left at the end against no. Michigan. Or, like... No. Or, or Ohio State. Like, right. Yeah. Like, that Purdue game, coming off of a bye week, a Purdue team that it's their best team in years, but still, nothing, anything extraordinary, like Minnesota beat them, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a very winnable game. And then Adrian misses Samori right before the half. It would have been a walk-in touchdown. Maybe Samori lost it in the sun. Regardless, after that play, Huskers had a lead at halftime. But after they missed that opportunity, they just felt like their hearts were never in it again until it was too little too late, and uh, they counted on an onside kick to help them get back in it. They lost a winnable game at home. And by the time they left the field, the crowd was half full, which I had not seen since Mike Riley's last year. So I thought if Nebraska comes in next week and gets blown out by Ohio State, that is it for Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no way anyone can feel positive about this program no. if they get blown out next week. Mm-hmm. But in the Husker tradition, of this, they play up to their opponent. They had a very winnable opportunity against Ohio State. They just couldn't get it done. But... Change a couple things, that game's a win. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that saves Scott Frost's job. Mm-hmm. Because if he gets blown out, he is not still here. Uh, I want to I wanna kind of pivot a little bit. Because I think <laughs> that there are... Can I talk about... Can I finish my Michigan point? Oh, totally. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. So, so, after the Northwestern game, you know, it feels like for the first time since we finished 4-2 in 2018... In my head, it's like, there might be something to what Scott's trying to do here. Hmm. Like, this, there might be something to it. And you know how we'll know that for sure? Next week, ranked Michigan comes here, night game, same environment, against the t- opponent we know is quality, against a team that's in the damn playoff right now. Yeah, they're coming here. This is our chance to prove it. This is mm-hmm. our chance to be back. Mm-hmm. It's like... 13-0 at halftime Michigan. Nebraska's not doing anything. 
and then they come back, they take the lead. That was the most raucous crowd I've experienced in my time here. It felt, even though I was very aware that losing was a possibility, it just felt like if they win this, if they hold on, if we bottle this momentum forever, we're back. Like... <laughs> really? You felt like yes. it was all down to that game? Yes, really. Because I'm like, if there's anything to what Scott Frost is doing here, he's going to build off the momentum of his biggest home win and then come back and beat a quality team, beat his first-ranked team in what's literally an ideal environment. Like, you could not have scripted the crowd for that game better. We got all the breaks in the second half. We had the ball. Tie game, three minutes to go. And who was right in front of me, because I was on the sideline for that. And uh, all you need to do is drive down, get field goal slash touchdown, win the game, get all that momentum. And just in the tensest moment possible, three minutes to go, I think two plays into that drive, Martinez fumbles, Michigan kicks the game-winning field goal, and then the crowd was just silent. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that was our chance, and we blew it. And uh, then, like... Like, even if you don't fumble, even if you punt, you've got a chance to get the stop. Yes, and then you've got a chance to get the stop, and then overtime, which is... A coin flip, almost. Yeah, it's, like, it's a crapshoot, especially yeah. in college, I think. It's, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. <sighs> and, and then you start after that game, you have to make justifications for it being a successful season. Like, if you won that game, there'd be no question. But, like, if you lose that game, it's like, well, we didn't win any of the big ones. But if at least we don't sweat, you know, <coughs> Minnesota or Purdue anymore, we'll be fine. And then we do the exact same thing against those two teams which is another reason why we haven't potted, is that every game was the exact same, and it gets tired to repeat yeah. the same points. And you guys, there, there is plenty of... There, I, part of the reason that I didn't feel the need to jump right back into the studio after all of these games was because people were already saying exactly what I thought. When you're winning, they, and when you're winning in interesting ways, there are a lot of different things to talk about. Right? Even when you're losing in interesting ways, there are a lot of different angles and things that I have questions about. And, and really, my motivation for doing this podcast is Justin's a fantastic reporter and a really smart guy. Uh, and I enjoy talking to him about this stuff. Um, but <laughs> all of my, like, I want to talk about Husker football needs were completely serviced by picking the brain of the sports casters, or the, like the, the sports guys in the DN once a week. Right, which is an incredible resource that I'm lucky to have. But if I was going to come over and talk to you or Landon or Jason or Martin, I'd be like, so why do we suck? And everyone would just shrug. Like, no one, that is the most troubling thing to me. Yeah. Very, very smart. Very, very sports-minded people who can tell you a lot about a lot of things. Don't have answers anymore. Like, you ask, even, like, when you see the Journal Star guys get asked, or the, or the World Herald people, what is, what is going on? No one has an answer. And clearly the coaches don't have an answer. No. Press availability has nosedived across the season, and actual questions being answered during press conferences has nosedived, right? That, that drives me crazy as a reporter. The fact that we don't, we don't get any quality information out of this team yeah, anymore. It's really interesting for me actually being in that position at the press conferences. Because, like, 
there are questions I'll think of that are like, oh, this is, this is the hard-hitting shit, but then I'm like, wait, am I asking this because I want to know the answer, or is this the fan in me wanting to dunk on Scott Frost? And more, more often than not, it was the second one. So Yeah, that's, no, like, I, th- frankly, that, I, I, think that, I think that you should leave that in. Because right? I think that that's really useful for me understanding, like, why... A, why when, like, the hard-hitting questions that I want answered get asked, they don't get answered. Yeah, like, that's another thing is, like, I could ask this, but I know the answer I'm going to get. I'd rather, you know, ask something where I don't know what it's Right, and it might make you king for the day on Twitter. Yeah. But, you know. Is it something I'm going to honestly use in my story? No. No. Is it it your job to make Scott squirm? Probably not. Uh, Do I want to? Yes, but no, I have to think, you know. About what, what, what my job actually is. So, first. I I think it's interesting to me that you will hear reports about like Hoiberg around town. You have always heard reports about John Cook being different places. He yeah. goes out to eat downtown. He interacts with people. Um, Hoiberg sucks, and we can talk about Husker basketball. Like he's terrible, and he's gonna get fired. But like, yeah. Uh, like, did that report ever? Yesterday. No, I haven't seen anything about it yet. I don't think it's real. Okay. Like, I, I could be wrong. God, that'd be fun if right after the pod... Whoa! What? Not, nothing about Hoiberg. Uh, Feldarius Payne is no longer in the transfer portal. So I guess he's coming back to Nebraska football. Our Good. Backup defensive end. Great, sure. He's got some real potential, just hasn't seen the field all that. He's got a great name. I don't know. I, dude, I, like, we're going to suck so bad next year. I don't convince. No, no. I'm trying to convince me otherwise. Here's, I'm just going to lay out. I, I want you to give us the Kool-Aid in a minute, okay? Yeah. I'm ready for the Kool-Aid. Give us a little. <sighs> but hear me out. Let's say you work, you work for a corporation, Right. Yes. Widget Incorporated. Your job is to make widgets. Right. This is this is a long-standing manufacturing metaphor. Right. This is like finance class. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Maybe realize I hate business. (laughs) This is. I'm sorry. Let's all let's all put on our business major caps, which we don't have because we're in the Chase School. But like, put on your. We're actually physically in live from Anderson Hall. we're not. We're not live. Thank God. But um, <laughs> but we're we're in the J school right now. But let's let's put on our business business major caps for a second and think about structure and hierarchy, which you have to talk about in journalism all the time, right? Absolutely. Let's think about leadership here. Pyramids. Pyramid. What in inverted pyramids? Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. God, we're so smart. We're so great. Anyway. Um, High charts. <laughs> no, 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 no. Justin, what I don't think you understand is if you can make a pie chart, nobody cares. But if you make a pie chart and then call it data visualization, everyone loses their minds. Oh, <laughs> um, God. Anyway, so good old, um, you, you work at a widget factory, right? Yes. You guys have been under the mark for the amount of widgets that you need to make scored in a football game mm-hmm. every single week this year bar one you can think of one truly impressive week 
Where you met your quota. Where you where you exceeded your quota. Yes. You're either barely, barely scraping through. Although Buffalo, right, that happened, and it was an okay game. 25 point win. In retrospect, I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, but also, like, could have been, could more. Have been more, and we talked about that at the time. I don't know that we really exceeded quota. Um, we covered the spray. Fair enough. Okay, so if you if you consider covering the spread, like, yeah. exceeding the quota, I guess, then. But, like, you underperform all year. And a couple weeks before you're even, like, done with your fiscal year in this reality, everybody underneath the CEO tier, except for one guy who has been widely criticized but praised more than all of the others, kind of the best of the worst tier, he gets kept, and the CEO who put them all in place gets kept. And then you go to a bunch of other smaller companies and pick up absolute randos, bar one guy who's from a very, very small company that over like like the, 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 the went a little harder this year yeah. and did really well. But it took him years and years and years to put together what he wants to put together. And it's already clear that the CEO is getting fired if the company has another bad year next year. <sighs> we got Scott Frost here mm -hmm. because he was supposed to be a quick turnaround artist. He was just supposed to be a turnaround artist. I think the quick got removed rather quick when he started 0-6. Well, yeah, but I mean, that was the thinking, was yeah. he's going to make this team look a lot better really very quickly. Mm -hmm. First three years, you know? The first two years, I would say, better than Mike Bradley, but nowhere near where we want it to be. No, better than the end. Was better than the, the end Mike of Mike Riley. Riley yeah. Not the beginning of Mike Riley. The, the middle of Mike Riley. Sure. The beginning and the end were about as bad as the Scott Frost teams have been. But we're consistently bad now. Yes, four straight losing seasons. I think, honest to God. Part of me really thinks that if we had kept Mike Riley, we would have at least made a bowl one of these years. And I think that we can get, and this is probably a conversation for a later day, about like, let's try and answer those un unanswerable questions. Why are we so bad? What is this vague cloud that hangs yeah. over Lincoln? Does Frank Solich curse us every night? Like, I... I <laughs> All reasonable, right? But, like, all I know now is that it's there. Mm -hmm. And that I don't care if you gave Scott Frost Saban's assistance next year. Ooh. No, I, see, I seriously, okay. I don't think it is a matter of assistant coaches. I refuse to believe that. Because I think that when you look at other teams in decline, it looks like this. When they don't want to fire their coach or financially can't stomach firing their coach until the contract gets restructured. Um, also, very, very, very telling that the school has fought so hard to keep the mutually agreed upon benchmarks totally secret. Yeah. Because there are no benchmarks. No, I think five and seven, but every loss is a one score loss might keep him next year for all I know. I think if there is a real 
actual mutually agreed upon benchmark, it is six and six. It is, but that's what we thought this year. And then they went three well, and nine, and the administration is more confident than ever in the guy. Here's here's what I think is the biggest problem. Okay, first of all, I don't think the administration is more yeah, confident that than ever. That I I think that that's a lie. That is a lie. I uh, lied. Well, so I think I think the administration has been trying to make it sound that way, but you don't restructure somebody's contract when you're confident in them, or you're, make them fire half their staff. Pres- I thought it was over half. No, uh, the defensive side is staying uh-huh. unless Shenander grabs a head coaching gig somewhere, given that there's no open jobs anymore, unlikely. And we did keep the tight ends coach. So it was really just four coaches that were fired. Something, and this is a total, total aside, but something that I'm curious about. Do you think Urban Meyer getting fired from the Jags could set off the college coaching carousel again if a college coach fills his spot? I think, who, maybe. I think the rumors that have been spreading around about the next college carousel are Ohio State's Ryan Day to the Bears, not the Jaguars, but... You could put the Jaguars in there. So that frees Ohio State up. I'm not saying they, you know, grab Urban. But like No I, way is Ohio State hiring Urban. I, they I, can't I, do that. I like I don't think they will, but I don't I wouldn't put it outside the realm. Oh, it's it's a possibility. It's so slim for me. This guy will I, I think he needs time off of football, time yeah. off of broadcast. People are pretty thoroughly disgusted with this man. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I think he'll be back. I, I agree. I don't think he will be coaching this year, even if Ryan Day leaves for the Bears. But if Ryan Day leaves, then you know what? I actually think this is actually more likely. Carolina's gonna fire Matt Rule, the Panthers. Right. He was the coach at Temple, turned them around. Then he moved to Baylor, turned them around. That's likely the next guy then, if he gets fired. Like, he is a proven winner at the college level. And, um, and brings none of the baggage that Urban does. And he's going to get fired as well. So, so if he Ryan comes, Day moves up, I'd say Matt Rule likely slides right in. And then you don't have the next carousel. But mm. if that doesn't happen and Ohio State coaches anybody, because as we've learned now, any coach is fair game in this sport. So yeah. then, then that could set it off. But... Until that happens, I don't think it will. And I think the most likely option is, you know, just a straight-up wife swap with an NFL coach. <laughs> so we've been uh, we've been talking about Husker football for about 30 minutes now, and yes. I kind of want to shift to, like, a lightning round thing. Okay. I'm just, like, all the things that I am wondering your thoughts about, but we don't have all of the time in the world to totally fully dissect, right? And frankly, putting our listeners through full dissections of all of these things is probably not useful because everyone's talking about them anyway, but I want your hot takes. Go for it. Where's an an easier place to start than the first question that came to my mind? Uh, Okay, new offensive coordinator. Um, Interesting. I am not at all opposed to it. There's a couple things I find really interesting about this hire. Number one is... uh, like, as you mentioned earlier, uh, it took him a bit of a while to get it going at Pitt, but, like, I loved the Pitt offense this year. Whenever I could watch a Pitt football game, I did, just because I love watching Kenny Pickett. And they Jordan were Addison. They were awesome. so much fun. They were so much fun, and uh, Pitt is a team that, throughout its history, has always been interesting, no matter their record, and he just happened to have the best record in program history this year. So shout-out to Pitt. So this guy, it can work with him. Absolutely. 
He's got gobs and gobs of experience. He's been coaching for decades at this point. And his core philosophy, from what I can gather, is uh, make the most of the talent you've got around you. Like, the talent dictates the scheme, not the other way around. So, I think a one-year quick fix with his record isn't exactly, you know, guaranteed or maybe not even likely, but I can see it because hmm. I think the talent is absolutely there for this offense, especially if they get a transfer quarterback. Outside of the offensive line, I think we're in a decent place next year offensively. And that's a huge fucking aside for the offensive line. We're going to need to plug some holes. Is the problem talent on the offensive line? It's just pound-for-pound pound ability? Uh, A little bit. I think part of it was just, you know, a lot of guys were young this year. But then again, I don't think their ceilings are that high. Mm. So, like, I think talent's part of it. But at least getting them off their floors... Yeah, at least get them off their floors and, you know, a lineman in their third year in a program, after, you know, two, at least two years of Big Ten experience, should not, like, be a bad lineman, you know. Uh -huh. You should at least have a competent O-line at most of the time, which occasionally Nebraska did. Okay, uh, gun to your head. I realize it's a very difficult question. Who is Nebraska's QB1? on our first Saturday in Ireland, I believe. Yes. Next year against Northwestern. Oh, God, this is really hard. It's against Northwestern, right? Yes, Northwestern. Um, shit. Uh, the, the only name, I think, linked to us right now, who I would be, you know, personally enthused about being the starter. There are two quarterbacks in the portal, three actually, but one, I think, is a notion not even remote chance, uh, who I would like and think would be an instant upgrade over Adrian Martinez and slash or Logan Smothers. And uh, those quarterbacks would be, the, for most likely, Keaton Slovis of USC. He's had his moments. He's gotten benched before, but he is, you know, the talent is there. He has won games before, which is nice to have in a quarterback. Is he interested in coming here? Yeah, we have, uh, it's Cal... Arizona and us on the list. So there's some interest there. You know, maybe Didn't Cal just fill their spot. Maybe. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I've been there's just been so many quarterbacks in the portal, but I think the talent's there, the experience is there. Yes, he's had his bad moments, but you're not getting a finished product in the portal. So if he puts it all together. You know, I'd be willing to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. The other two names who I don't think will come here are Cameron Ward, who is an FCS quarterback of Incarnate Word. Really good season for Incarnate Word. They're a damn solid FCS team, but I've just heard nothing that indicates we have interest in him. And Bo Nix of Auburn, because of <laughs> Adrian Martinez's consistency, but with way higher highs and way lower lows, and you get the most entertaining season of football of all time. Yeah. So, but like, gun to my head... I don't expect nice things to happen to Nebraska. And, like, when, you're, when you have the choice of one person or the field and you have to pick someone from the field, I'm just going to pick the one person. So, gun to my head, Logan Smothers. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. Do you think, though, I understand one person versus the field. Yeah. What about the field versus the two quarterbacks we have? Who? Do we end up getting a quarterback to transfer in? I think... Obviously, the spring can have some uh, changes to this, but, like, 
If it's not Slovis, I don't know why you'd even bother. Really? I, that's you a, think you'd rather have Logan's mothers than Bodex? That, that's a bit. That's, I, a, that's a bit harsh. Just why even bother? But everyone else in the portal is, you know, doesn't have experience. Like, you know, you're taking like a sophomore backup last year, or you know, like who you're just banking on recruiting numbers. The only person with proven starting material that is better than what we had before right now, who I think has a, a somewhat realistic chance, right, is Keaton Slovis or Cameron Ward. But there's been no interest in him. So I think, you know, if you strike out on Slovis, bring him in, the more the merrier with competition. But I, I would not say it's a sure thing that they would beat out Smothers for the job. I am... And, and I am not high at all on Smothers, by the way. I, I'm pro Bo Nix. And I know I was really mean to him when we were texting about him, right? <laughs> like, and, and to be fair, I think he's just a hilarious figure. Straight down to the name... Yes. Bo Nix. This man is funny, uh, and we should all make fun of him. But um, I think the reason I'm, like, interested in Bo Nix is because I legitimately, like, people get in the comments, get mad at me, I don't care. I legitimately think that the week-in, week-out, shall we say, frustrations of the SEC are probably higher than the Big Ten. Uh, you never get to play Purdue. Like, you get one Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, occasionally in Missouri or South Carolina. If they're really bad. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, it's Kentucky, like, if they're really bad. But when they've been good. They've been solid the past couple years. Right. So, I mean, like, you get less down weeks. And I think that Auburn team had a lot more upside than Nebraska. Yes. If and, uh, you're, Bo Nix has led game-winning drives before. Right. Smothers is clearly going to have downsides. Yes. I struggle to find upsides with Smothers. Smothers now, is a good runner, which will help given our offensive line was. But from what I saw against Iowa, there's not much that convinces me Smothers' ceiling is anything higher than what Adrian's was. I think I it's mean, lower than ceilings. Adrian's. I think his ceiling is Adrian. At, right. At the form we had him at. Right. Because I saw him, these passes were completed, but if they were thrown better, they would have been touchdowns. Right. You're not always going to get that benefit with the defense. And Iowa was missing two of its best secondary players. And uh, the one big pass he completed was completely misplayed by the defensive back. And those passes had a lot of error on them. And Mark Whipple, again, he makes most of the talent he's got around him. But for the past seven years, he's passed more than he's ran. So we need a more of a passing quarterback, which, like, Slovis would be, or Henrik Harburg, who's the other Nebraska boy on the quarterback right. chair who we haven't even seen, aside from a couple handoffs in Buffalo. Matt Masker? Matt, no. Is that, no, that's not Matt Masker. Matt Masker's the other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's, here's my overarching next year thought. Roll the goddamn dice, right? Sit down at the roulette table and put it all on green, right? Put it all on double zero because Scott Frost, you have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose because you, you know that if people in the past hadn't made mistakes around your hiring, you would have been fired and you have 
everything to gain. And if, at any other school in the country, you would have likely been fired. Precisely. You have been spotted a free year to turn things around. You can sit back and say, I don't care. I'm out of here. I'm tired. This yeah. place sucks. This has ruined my approximation of Nebraska. And frankly, Scott Frost, I would understand. I would. I don't know why I'm going full like Stephen A. Smith on Scott Frost right now. But like, I I would understand. I would get that. I would be exhausted. This much losing breaks a dude, especially a dude who's like been handed everything his whole life and has always won things, right? Yeah. Like Scott Frost, not the most talented player on those Nebraska teams. No. But I'm sure he thought or still thinks. He was the shit because of those Nebraska teams. He was UCF, not a team captain, which for a senior quarterback is very rare. Right. UCF, yeah. right? He comes into a situation with all of the upside already sitting there, yes. and he just has to execute, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure he feels like a god, but in hindsight, UCF is playing a lot better football than Nebraska is right now. Yes. If and you put those two teams on a field, UCF, UCF would murder us. They would smoke us. It would be another narrow blowout, like all of the ones we've had yeah, this year. We, I was about to say, we would find a way to lose by one Oh, totally. We would lose by a possession, but it would be the world's fattest possession, right? <laughs> so I am honest to God looking at Scott Frost and saying, this is a man who, for the first time, from what I can tell, in his life, personal life aside, but it, I, I have no idea, but yeah. his professional life, that ships are really, truly down. And they're down hard. And I would not blame this guy for walking away. He's a millionaire. Right? You, Scott Frost has won. He's won. Mm-hmm. He has enough money to be wealthy forever. Right? Yes. I, I mean, dude, he's set. Who cares? Right? He's and, and he's got enough experience as a coach slash offensive coordinator where he could step away, take a year or two off the game, and then, like, be an offensive assistant at Alabama and go through the Nick Saban Rehabilitation School. Oh, totally, totally. Which and for, he like, could, Lane Kiffin and so many others. He could head coach again if he wants to. Yes. Right? Like, I mean, I think, look, look at, like, Bo Pelini, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think Scott Frost is probably not as good a coach as Bo Pelini, given their ten years here. And just kind of given their tenures other places too, right? Sure. You don't think so? Bo was not very good at Youngstown State. No. His, no. his, his best year was the second year there, which, you know, was a great year. They made the FCS championship game, but then lost. And uh, they just never reached that height again. They had a couple losing seasons there, which is something that he didn't even have at Nebraska. And there's a reason he's not coaching anywhere right now. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, but and I think that also Nebraska broke Bo Pelini in a very specific way. Yeah. Right. That's a lot of Bo had a lot to lose and lost it. Bo was very aware of that, and like Nebraska football back then was in a very different position than we are now. Yeah. Back back when we, our main frustration was why are we not Ohio State or Wisconsin, and now our main frustration is. Why are we not in a bowl game? Yeah, why we're not in a bowl game? Why we're not Illinois? Why we're not Purdue? Like, that's our main frustration now, which... I, I had heard that his... He did that interview with the Barstool affiliate guys who were, like... The Bussin' with the Boys podcast? Yes, which I... 
God bless our listeners who also listen to them. It's I can tell from everything I see on Twitter, not my cup of tea, right? But I should go back and I should listen to that interview because I heard that it was interesting and yeah, like a worthy we, listen about what we Nebraska listened football to it on the way to Minnesota. Really? Yeah. Thoughts? Don't remember what he said. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thoughts. It, That's fair. You said he was very aware of like what he had lost here, and I was. I I, I think so. I think that. I think that he knew he had, like, a really good team most years, and he really thought that should have been enough to keep him around. And uh, I think, you know, this wasn't really dove on too much, but you could tell by his thoughts back then that, uh, you know, him literally daring the athletic director to fire him was like, you can tell there was a serious clash of heads at the top. Right. it was not the main reason he was fired, but it did not hurt that I, of course, got to have the last laugh. Yeah. And, like, say, I get to end your job. I get to do the thing you told me I couldn't do. Right. Which is not a healthy dynamic no. in any relationship. And it's it's probably good in hindsight that they're both gone. Yeah. Had Bo... Here's my, here's my take. Had Bo won that Big 12 championship against Texas... He's we, probably still here. Oh, yeah. He's still, He's still here. Eichhorst is long gone. Eichhorst wasn't even there back then. That was Dr. Tom. That, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, Eichhorst would be out mm-hmm. regardless. Um, because he, he, like, maybe in this alternate universe, he still shows up. And he still gets kicked out. Because yeah. Bo, like, he becomes an unstoppable horse. Like, the next man to win this state, a conference championship... In a Power Five conference, will be hailed as a god. Yeah. Uh, my question is, does does that happen again? I'm gonna never say never. Uh, but what this year actually showed me was that it was possible. Like previous years, especially after 2020, I did not think this was even possible to turn around. Scott Frost, even though we went three and nine, this is our first year since 1999. Uh, the last conference championship year without a double-digit loss. I'm not going to claim those losses as moral victories or any of that. You are I, you are doing that. But I am just going to say no. <laughs> that Scott Frost has got us like 75% of the way there. That last 25 is the most important 25, and it's one I don't think he's ever going to close. But 75% of the way there is farther than we have been in a bit. Like, in quite a bit, like, since at least the Bo years. like Yeah, I, I think as, as Bo had us at least 85, yeah, maybe Bo, 90. Oh, yeah, especially at the Big 12 championship game. That was, like, nine high 90s probably. Well, a conference championship it was game. 99% of the way yeah. there until well, the, the tragedy. was zero, and Nebraska was ahead. Right? <laughs> he was borderline 100 out of, at a point in time in that game. Right. But, uh, yeah, but still. While I would not have personally kept Scott Frost around for another season, I don't think it's impossible, just very unlikely, that he can get this thing turned around. Because as much as I hate those losings and think those close losses are like a pattern, I think part of you're kind of being a little bit obtuse if you're not thinking that was, you know, the closest to what Scott Frost has been trying to build here. This was likely his best team yet. And if you're a big believer in point differential as a key stat of a team, 
which a lot of really smart people are, people outside this program who I trust for opinions on college football, Mm -hmm. Nebraska's point differential in conference play was zero. We we scored just as many points as we allowed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say, like, that's the true mark of a good team, is that, like, you have a positive point differential. And despite being, like, one in six in conference play, Nebraska was not in the negative. So, like, there's not nothing here to what Scott Frost is trying to do. And, like, Mm. we can count on our fingers amount of plays. You just change that, and you likely win a game. Yes, there's a reason these plays keep happening. But, like, special teams, you know, like, change the missed field goals to makes. Probably have two more wins on the roster. And we've brought in, like, two transfer kickers. You don't punt it to the wrong guy in Michigan State. We just brought in the FCS punter of the year. Like, I'm... As much as I think there are structural problems with Scott Frost as the head coach, I don't think there, it's an unreasonable assumption to think that maybe those little things are the answer to getting the self-flipped. Maybe those things are the answer to closing that 25%. Like, you know, I think it's unlikely, but I think there's a non-zero chance, and I think rolling the dice is, from the administration standpoint, uh, a more likely to get us to that 100% and scrapping the whole project and starting over with the guy where you don't even know if he's going to get to 75. I think saying you have one year to get to 75 from 100 is in their eyes more likely than handing this off to somebody else. But even Mm. then, just getting to 75 shows me that somebody, whether Scott Frost or not, there's a coach who, if you put him in that scenario in the Michigan game, draws up a play that gets down the field and they win. And like stuff like that. So like it's possible here. That's what this year showed yeah. me is. Yeah. Frost or not, this it's possible to build a good team in this state. Here's the dichotomy that I find fascinating. Um, and, and, like, this is tricky, right? Without getting too philosophical and navel-gazy. There is not... I firmly believe this. There is not, save maybe Notre Dame, a school in the country that wants this more than Nebraska does. As as a school, as a university... I would put us above Notre Dame in that regard. Really? Yeah, Notre Dame doesn't even sell out their own games with their own fans. I'm not talking about the fans. I know. I'm talking about the administrative yeah. willpower to get this done. This administration, I think, understands how vitally important it is to the school's reputation... Even if it has nothing to do with academics, mm-hmm. right? Even if, even if it has nothing to do with the day-to-day operation of the school as a whole, they understand how important athletics are, which is why our chancellor's at the volleyball final four right now. Yeah. He gets it. He understands that. Shout he, out to the volleyball team. Shout out to this volleyball team. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is not really a volleyball podcast because I don't think either of us know enough to like have coherent and no. useful thoughts on it. But, oh my god. Nebraska volleyball is everything that's right with the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, good good work to the DN staff who have traveled there. Are yeah. they staying for the championship, I assume? I'd imagine so. Yeah, man. I mean, seriously, incredible work uh, that those guys are doing. Good good luck to them. Um, but uh, I, I think it's going to be fun tomorrow night. But <sighs> this administration understands. And there's the money to get it done. There's the willpower to get it done. What I think will be increasingly important moving forward, there's the NIL potential. Mm -hmm. 
That's why I think, like, a Bo Nix finds this place really attractive. Yeah. Right? Is, like, Bo Nix is a personality. We've all heard of him. If he comes here, he becomes our god. Before the first snap, he makes a bunch of money mm-hmm. in shirt sales, in deals with local restaurants, yeah. in deals with local car dealerships. And, and I think all these businesses are... This year is just kind of them starting to figure it out. I think in these coming years, you're going to really start to see it, like, actually explode. Oh, yeah. Because I think... And, and also players, too. Yes. Right? Um, and I think the university is going to get better and better at enabling it. I, I think that pretty soon... And it's, it's going to stratify the campus pretty hard. I mean, you can already tell who the football players are. You can already... But, like... And to be an athlete is probably the biggest thing you can be at UNL. Rightly or wrongly, to be particularly like a male athlete or a volleyball player is a big deal. Uh, that's going to get even more important. Soon it's going to be the biggest deals in the city. Because if you take these people who already have all of this stuff and you give them maybe not NFL level money, right? But you give them huge, huge pay cut, paychecks. Huge cuts of checks. Bonex could drive up to the stadium every single day in a Mercedes. Yeah. And not not break a sweat. Because there's a hundred grand sitting on the table for that kid. A hundred grand for a college kid? For the amount of money you could just like dude, yeah. Buy the insanely expensive car. Yes. Your meals are paid for. Your clothes are paid for. There's only so much liquor in Lincoln to drink. Like <laughs> And then the more you live with style and become a status symbol, the better a quote-unquote influencer you yeah. are, right? So I, I think, like, that's a huge component of getting us further. The administration wants it. The money is now allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. And there is a foundation set. Like, I think it's not an unattractive recruiting pitch to say to recruits, hey, we, we were so close, you can be the guy who helps us get over the hump. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Maybe this, not this, the top tier of recruits. No, but we've, we've got some not good recruits this year, but we've got two decent pulls from the transfer portal already. Right. One former four-star defensive back, Tommy Hill, who was in line to start at Arizona State. He's coming here. And uh, we flipped four-star wide receiver. I'm only mentioning him because I love his name. From LSU, thanks to Mickey Joseph. Welcome to Nebraska, the coldest Crawford. I would still say that uh, Dick Coldest Crawford in Nebraska is a boxer. I'm stealing yes. that from a tweet. I'm stealing that from a tweet. Let's go, bud. Oh, I love Terrence Crawford. Oh, what a what a what a incredible man! But the um, best sports team in this state, all by himself. <laughs> He's the best thing that's happened to Nebraska sports in a long time. Um, other than maybe the volleyball team. Yeah, but, volleyball team, and then yeah, we he. It's fun to watch him fight. He is just so much fun to watch. Um, Also, shout out to Max Kellerman saying, screw it, I'm going to do an hour on boxing a week. Max on boxing is one of my favorite ESPN shows. For one of the reasons. It's simply called Max on boxing. That's what it is. And that's what it is. It doesn't like you at all. It's Max Kellerman in a suit in front of a New York City backdrop just lecturing you about boxing for an hour. A thing he knows, he fully acknowledges, you don't know about. 
It's like, dude, this dude, like, when I... Oh, he looks so happy on that show. Oh, too. dude, I think it's the only reason he's still doing first take. I think he probably... No, so- he, he's off first take. He is? Yeah, there's a rotating co-host besides Stephen A now. Really? Yeah, Why'd they move him? You saw him. He was miserable there. Yeah, no, he was not happy. And I think a and rotating... He wasn't happy. What, what was their beef? When your job is to yell at somebody <laughs> for three hours a day, and you do that five times a week, eventually you're going to run into some problems. Yeah. yeah. Vibes. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's... Eventually, they just hit a wall like, no, I don't want to yell at this guy anymore yeah. for list of reasons that they have found out by yelling at this guy for three hours a day, five days a week. God, that would be the biggest pressure. Like, I understand Sports Center is probably incredibly stressful, yeah. right? Um, but Sports Center is like the local news. It's a, col- well, yeah, I mean, it's the national news, well, but it's, it's a collaborative national, like, effort. Like, comparatively. It's yeah. a collaborative news yes. show. Like, like, you're part of a team. As an anchor, you have the personality, of course. But your job is to describe what the team has put together for you. Right. First take is two guys letting go. Like, well, I presume that they have writers and help. Oh, yeah, they have help. But, but, like... The star is the personality. The star is not what's on the screen. The star is not the show. Right. The, the, the star is what is being talked about in the manner that they're talking about it in. Do you expect... Now we're talking about internally ESPN politics, which I think is interesting. <laughs> I have a theory that we are going to see, I I think, slowly but surely, we're already seeing a bit of a Schefter phase out. Yeah. Because you're starting to see other people break big news, which, in my mind, says ESPN knows trust in that guy is not high. No, and he's always been a mouthpiece for the NFL. Oh, totally. And people are starting to catch on to that. I think people have been caught on to that, and they're just getting fed up. Yeah. But I think, like, other people are breaking news. Mm-hmm. Other outlets are getting scoops, which to me says ESPN cares less about being first. Yeah. Um, Very true. Was it him or was it Rappaport that broke the Urban story? Ooh. Urban, like, which Urban story? The, like, uh, he's getting fired. That... Everyone had that, like, around a similar time. Really? You think there was a presser then? Like, just a a release that went out? Something like that, because, yeah, I I don't remember who was first, but I know that, because I wasn't there when the news actually broke, I got to it, like, four minutes late. Mm. But in that time, everyone with a checkmark was tweeting it out. It's like a little sports media joke right here. Like, a tweet I saw this year that just made me die laughing was a college football sports media probably leads the industry in a quote t- tweets that tell you exactly what the tweet they quoted says. Yeah. Like, Urban Meyer fired after five years. Quote tweet. Source. Urban Meyer out in Jacksonville. Like, you just tweeted the tweet. Well, by quoting the tweet, just so you can have that tweet on your profile that it's not from them. Yeah, I, I find it really... The differences between sports journalism and, like, straight news really interesting, and that's one of the biggest ones to me, yeah. is it matters a lot less... Who got... Because, like, if we were going to do that generally, um, we would have to say, like, X event happened or X person resigned or whatever, whatever, per whoever who found out this way. And it becomes a whole production. 
for y'all, it's just urban's out, which like is indisputably true, right? Mm -hmm. But you guys aren't telling us how you found out, or even like some people will say like sources are telling me what the hell, what the hell does that mean? Uh, and like I think the beauty about sports is you can get away with it generally, unless it's a it's a serious issue within sports. Because let's yeah. be real, Urban Meyer getting fired. Is only it's it's not life or death for anyone, and it's only important to Urban Meyer. Yeah, Jaguars the, fans, the three of them that exist, might be upset. But like, the funniest thing to come out of this was a uh, Sean's Tarania. This was a while ago, but he is the Athletics NBA reporter. who has a sort of rivalry with Woj of ESPN for who can break NBA news the first. Uh huh. Of all the people in media, he was the first to have the scoop that Donald Trump tested positive for COVID. What? Yeah, Shams Charania broke that news. And that was the funniest thing. The president has COVID, and the Athletics NBA reporter was the first to it. I don't know if he was, like, the first the first, but he was the first I saw of it. And he's who a lot of people credited the night of as being the first, so. <sighs> that's he somehow insane. got his hands on that. and That's so funny to me. That's crazy. I think, like... <laughs> Not, again, not to get, like, this is not a media criticism body, podcast. This is not, uh, you know, but but to, to enjoy, like, amateur media criticism hour for a second, I think the previous administration, who, again, I'm not, like, expressing any opinions. This is just, like, a thing that I think is true about the last administration, was connected to people you would absolutely, like, just have your mind blown yeah. as to, because... Um, like it was less of a machine and more of a cudgel. And again, that's not like a value judgment. I obviously have my opinions. I'm not sharing them here. But like, they talked to people who in a million years. This because is, this is a factual statement. I'm about to say again. We are expressing no political opinions. No, no, no we're keeping that totally out of it. But I think it's the president like, of the United States met with the CEO of My Pillow. About if he could help him overturn the presidential election's results. Right, which again, like, that just is a thing that happens thing regardless that happens. of whether or not you, like, they, they, no, no, no political, like, spit on that at all. Take that at whatever face value you find it at. But, but like, that's a thing that happens. Which is why news used to break from everywhere. Just like, cause, dude, yeah. like the my pillow guy probably knew that we had COVID before, like that the, yeah. that the president had COVID before the press did. In fact, the my pillow guy probably knew that COVID existed before the press did, and and like, it got really tricky, um, because like, I, I I couldn't, I hope to be. Um, like a full-time reporter someday at the national level would be great. And I think I, I don't envy the folks who were working during that time who had for eight years meticulously under the previous administration put together like some of the finest Rolodexes in Washington, right? If there's an issue on water rights, you call this guy. If it's, it's like this and this and this. Because here's the other thing. There are like the partisan people who come in every time, Right. And then there's, like, FEMA. Like, your FEMA source in 2020 is very likely your same FEMA source when Katrina hit in 2005. But, again, here is a factual thing that happened. The president, when dealing with one of FEMA's maps, took a Sharpie and circled something else. 
he decided the weather was something that it was not. Like, and, and like, maybe he was guided by FEMA to do that. There's a lot of confusion there. Again, looking at it yourself, take it at face value. But news just came from anywhere, and the people who it conventionally came from had no idea. Where was, where was no clue. Just no idea. And I think that, honestly, that had a really weird reaction with the current media environment, which I think is hyper-present in sports, which is anyone can break a story now. Yes. Do you have a cell phone? You can, like, in, uh, what what is it? How many, how many characters do you get in a tweet now? 240, I think. 240 characters, right. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's insane. Just, like, Barstool Media and Deion Sanders single-handedly in tandem recruited the top recruit in the country to Jackson State. That's crazy. That's a thing that can happen now. That's insane. Sometimes Jackson State will get the top recruit. Which, like, what does that mean for football? It, it means that we all know recruits have getting, been getting paid forever. Now that there's a legal way to do it, anyone can benefit at any time. Like, it... <laughs> It just takes the perfect storm to land you a five-star if you have, like, the right deals in place. Which, again, is exactly how every other school who normally gets these guys is doing it. So, right. like, the playing field is, I guess, a bit more level, while also, like, being way more uneven towards the haves and the have-nots. Here's, here's something that I find interesting. So, eventually... NBA players worked out. And I'm surprised we haven't seen this more in other sports, although I think that, like, salary caps and different things have explained it. But on one fateful trip to Miami, which Justin knows and loves well, yes. LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade. all kind of realize, holy shit, we are the best players in the league. Some of them. They well, weren't, they weren't one, two, three, but they. If were, you put the three of them together, you may have they're the best, the best trio yes. in the league. Yes, and it doesn't matter who else you're putting around them. No. You have the best team in the league. So, why not? Yeah. And I think it's a matter of time because here's the other thing: all of these college athletes get recruited together. No, especially the top tier. Yes. Right? They're going to the same award shows. They go to the same fancy prep academies. They're all bunched together, and then they spread out. It is a matter of time before these kids or their parents, and I think it's much more likely a group of parents, have the realization that if you put the five best freshmen in the country, at different positions, obviously, yeah. on the same team, with high NIL potential. Yeah. The, the, the amount of money you could make. I mean, forget going to the league, right? There, I think there is a real possibility that unless you're going to be, like, one of the first ten picks in the draft, and you're certain of that, your NIL potential is higher at a place like this, or a place like Notre Dame, or a place like Alabama. Yes. It's higher than it is um, in the NFL. In the NFL, especially if you have a good personality, especially if you can sell yourself. 
Think yes. about all the money Joe Burrow lost being born a few years too early. Very true. Burrow would have absolutely cashed in. I would have bought a Burrow jersey if the money was going to him. Yeah. I love Joe Burrow. I understand he's problematic, but like as a person, as as, as like well, well, who is in college sports, <laughs> dude? To, who isn't in professional sports, yeah. right? Like, no, that's that's a total aside. You don't have to justify right any athlete like that. Like, but my thing is, uh, why? Well, yes, that will absolutely help some players stick around another year. I think. The NFL is still the top level of professional football. Mm-hmm. Again, if, you, if you're likable and you have a personality, you can absolutely use that to your advantage in the NFL year one if you hit the ground running. Totally. And the window is so short for NFL careers. Yeah. Like, you know, NFL, not for long. Like, you want to get in there as soon as you can. Right. Because every year you stay at college, yeah, your draft stock will go up, but that's one less year in the prime of your career to be in the NFL. Right, right. I, and, so, and, so I don't see it being that much of a. Well, I think it's a. I think it's a big weight against leaving. If you're, because like, here's the thing. If you're, um, if Tim Tebow, yeah, take Tim Tebow for instance. He was gonna go to the league eventually, right? Yes, I, I believe he completed his career and then went though. Sure, but let's say you know, um, you've got a player like. Johnny Menzel, I think, yes. also completed his career. He did not. He did not. Okay. Johnny Menzel. He left as soon as he could. Yeah. Texas A&M. Yep. Huge football school when they're good. Yeah. How much money could Johnny Menzel, who was a huge, huge name. And already made a lot of money. I, <laughs> at the time, loved Johnny Menzel. Everyone right? like, loved Johnny. Right. Like, I. how many people, the, the main reason I don't buy college football merch and like jerseys and things is because I know the players aren't going to profit as much as they should from it. I don't know how many people think that way. I know it's a non-zero number. I know that a lot of fanatics feel that way. Yeah. You know? And and rocking a throwback jersey with no name on the back unless it's like a team that has that as a function of their jersey. It's just not appealing. Precisely. Precisely. And so I think that like... You know, I I really want to um, I I want to be realistic about this, but I think also post COVID was a weird time to have NIL roll out. Oh yeah, it, it, everything just sort of happened at once, like NIL, COVID, playoff expansion, all at the same time. Oh right. yeah, and by the way, uh, destination jobs for coaches is no longer a concept. Like I I, I don't think we realize. We've really fully formed, given everything else that's going on, just that class ceiling broke in and of itself. That, uh, like Notre Dame and Oklahoma, those are jobs you either leave for the NFL or you get fired from. You don't leave that for another college job. And we saw two coaches do that this season. So, like, mm-hmm. the floodgates are open now. I, if, if Notre Dame and Oklahoma aren't safe, what job is? No one. No Any, one. Anyone in college football. <sighs> You know what I think this sets up? What? Sooner or later. And, okay, a total aside from this, you're going to... I think this is a slight part of the reason we're keeping Frost around is because if he somehow gets this thing turned around, he is never leaving this place. Oh, no, no. I, like, he's like, the that safest can't bet. Hurt. That right. can't hurt yeah. keeping him around. Um, now, he's, he's probably saying now he's never leaving this place. And there are... Here, it is human nature... 
and I will never fault anybody for this at the end of the day, unless lives are on the line, right? There is always a check big enough. Always. And I think that there are plenty of checks big enough eventually to get Scott out of here. If he succeeds to the level we want him to. Um, if Nebraska makes the playoff, there are teams that are in a different college football tax bracket than what we're currently willing to pay. If, if we win the conference championship and make a playoff, we will empty out the state treasury. I think so, too. I think so, too. Even if he's not performing at the same level. Yeah. Even if it was one fluke year. No, we, we'd get a droplet of his blood in a vial and lock him in as our lifetime coach. Oh, yeah. No, we would go full Ted Williams, like, freeze his brain. Yeah. And yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but I think, end of the day, uh, those are all forces that end up helping Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Long run, yes. More and more, I think it's going to be important to have a football culture in your state. Because I think college football as a brand is probably not increasing its stock. College football hit its market cap at the people who are going to watch college football in, like, the early 2010s. When both traditional interest was high and people who had, like, gone to college were very high. I, I, I can kind of see that in a way. I think, I don't think it's peaked, peaked, so to speak. I think, I think it, it does feel bigger back then, but like, I think like maybe expanding the playoff or if, you know, Ohio State, Michigan becomes a consistent coin flip on who's going to win that game. Right. You know, I, I think if stuff like that continues the way it has and then... NIL makes these stars more available and accessible to people, like, who don't even know, like, college football. Like, Johnny Manziel was everywhere in his career. Right. Joe Burrow was everywhere in the college football world. Imagine if, like, that monetization could get him into, like, non-college football spaces. Hmm. A lot Hmm. easier. Maybe. But I think, also, I think that the kind of, like, prevailing wins across American culture are not good for where you might expect college football to go more and more people are moving to bigger cities increasingly people in smaller cities especially young people who have time on saturday to go to a football game are wanting to move to bigger cities the major population centers are generally across the country locked down by professional professional teams the east coast particularly does not give a crap about college football neither does really the west coast I mean, the West Coast cares less about football generally. I think if USC gets it going again, they'll be interested, but... (sighs) Maybe an Oregon would be... USC and Oregon, I could see being huge, you know, draws in the West Coast, but everything else will be niche. Even if, like, UCLA gets it going again, I'll think that'll be a big draw. Generally, when you think about the culture out there, I don't imagine people in California playing basketball. I am Or playing football, I imagine them playing basketball. I imagine them talking about other sports baseball the Dodgers there are like eight teams I think about in California before I get to a football team in terms of good interesting fun California teams that I would expect people to be fans of maybe the giant or no yeah uh the 49ers make but like teams I think of synonymous with California 
Giants, Angels, Dodgers. Dodgers probably first, actually. Yeah, it, my rankings are Dodgers for no other reason than just the hats as L.A. Oh, God, Lakers it's so good. Two. It's such a good logo. Lakers a close second. Yeah, Lakers. And then, oh, shoot. Is this all of California? Yeah. Golden State Warriors. Right. Obviously. Uh, Raiders aren't there anymore, but uh, let's go. Yeah, then Giants, sure. They're big. Uh, Niners. So the Niners make your top five. Absolutely. You know, the Joe Montana years keep enough shine on that helmet to last a lifetime. <sighs> I guess, maybe. And, like, uh, you're also a bigger NFL fan than yeah. I am. Rams. Rams at six. And then, um, I would put USC above the Sacramento Kings for sure. Clippers. Ooh, shoot. Yeah, I'd put the Clippers above the above USC, especially since they've been good recently. When the Clippers are good, they're above USC. Anaheim Ducks? No. The movies. I, dude, I love the Mighty Ducks movies. I know you do, but I know the team sucks. But I'm talking about name recognition. I'm talking about brand. I think USC... Beats the I, yeah, I mean, USC have a cool brand. They do. Like, it feels, but it feels retro is the problem. It's a lot like ours, where yeah. it's like, they feel like an anachronism. I would love to see, like, I don't think anyone in the country, more than people in Lincoln, Nebraska, and particularly like you and I, would love to see a college football playoff with Nebraska number one seed, Notre Dame number two seed, USC number three seed, Oklahoma number four seed, right? So that we play Oklahoma, and then we watch Notre Dame USC, and then we get to play, if we win, USC or Notre Dame. Yes, two very hateable teams for very different reasons. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, throw Miami in there in an expanded playoff. Absolutely. Oh, my, here's, okay. These are fun college football brands. But oh, dude, like, totally. I think every college football brand is fun. I got oh, I disagree. I, I got super into Wake Forest. No one, no. Because Wake Forest, you, ah. on its face, is a team that sounds like it should suck. <laughs> like, Wake Forest. <laughs> that's just a name that's made <laughs> to be in 10th place in the ACC every year. Oh, my God. That is not a team you win with. No, you're right. And this year they won 10 games. And I'm so freaking happy for them. The Demon Deacons did it. Wake Forest packed their stadium for the first time in forever. I love them so much. Jesus. Oh, that I is love a it. fun thing that happens is that Wake Forest was good. Take a picture, kids. This might not happen again for another 10 years. That is so funny. No, I mean, I guess, but like... But then again, I, I realized this season that I am a sicko when it comes to college football. Like, I think bad football is just as entertaining as good football. No, and totally. I, and I blame Nebraska for breaking me. I willingly watched UConn, Vanderbilt, and UConn, UMass just to see what could happen. And both games lived up to the billing. So, I speaking of bad football, I want to talk really briefly about this playoff. Yeah. How do you feel about the four teams that are in? I'm... I guess a lot more excited than most years about the field that's in. I don't think that the games are going to be particularly entertaining, but are they ever? Uh, so I'm just really happy that the teams that are here are here. Sans Alabama, but you know they deserved it. No, they Alabama earned it. Earned it. No, no, Alabama earned it. I'm not happy for them, but they earned it. They they got in in the most bullshit way possible. Yes, they should have lost to Auburn. 
completely ruining their chances, but they couldn't go out of bounds. They went in for Bama wins in four overtimes, and then they pulled went out of their ass against Georgia, the team we all thought was unbeatable. Turns out Bama's just as good as they always are. Georgia still makes it because how can you say no to them? Right. You know, they were the best team all year that just lost one game. I I'm don't... not mad at that. Michigan, hooray, you did it, Harbaugh. I find you annoying, but I'm very happy for you that yeah. you knocked off Ohio State. Totally. I'm... Michigan's my team moving forward. Like, I want to see Michigan win a natty now. I don't – there are just too many problems for me to believe that it's possible. Yeah, no. Mich- it's going to be Bama-Georgia again, almost certainly. And I think Bama wins. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Are you happy for Cincinnati? I am thrilled for Cincinnati. Okay. This is something I did not think I would ever see in the four-team playoff as a group of five team getting in. And this was just the perfect storm of it being a team that had went undefeated the season before, them having no other options, and a team that beat the number five team on the road by 11. Like, this is so... It was the perfect storm. You're going to lose by 30 to 50 points. Oh, yeah. See, I don't care. You're here. I bought a shirt. <laughs> commemorate this so Cincinnati Bearcats playoff shirt uh, just like we're in the door this is all I ever asked is that just, when faced with no other options you put them in it is theoretically possible Ohio if, State is no longer the best football team in Ohio no they are not I love that for Cincinnati I just hope they even like to even score points against Bama would make me smile oh dude I think like they're gonna get dumpstered right like they're gonna absolutely get shit canned not in the way that Notre Dame or Baylor wouldn't be, yeah. Like, oh, no. I mean, both of those teams would have lost. But, like, Notre Dame or Baylor gets to go forward and be like, hey, that was a positive year. Cincinnati has, like, if they only lose by 21 points, they have reached their mortal peak. There I, is no up from there. I, I think as long as it's not the biggest loss in playoff history, I will sort of feel like everyone. won. No, I mean, so... Like, here's here's what I'm saying. Maybe you get that moral victory, right? But I also believe pretty strongly Notre Dame would dumpster Cincinnati. Well, they played and they lost. I mean, like now. No. Like getting ready for... No, I, I think... Or like a Baylor. Heck no. I think there are a lot of teams in this top 25 that could totally crush Cincinnati when all the chips are down because Cincinnati hasn't been there before. Has it been to success before? And that is not not a good thing. Neither has Baylor up until this year. Notre Dame crumbles every time under pressure. I suppose. I suppose. But here's my thing. If Cincinnati gets murked, just yeah. absolutely destroyed, and then you go to the expanded playoff, yeah. and they let group of five teams in, yes. either every year or every now and again, and every year they get killed, just absolutely taken to the woodshed, Okay. Right? But but every year they're not going to be playing Bama if you expand the playoff. Like this no. year, like this year would be four v twelve. Like no, the twelve team you get four versus would it be five? Yeah, that'd be Cincinnati Notre Dame, which as we saw in the regular season, Cincinnati went on the road and won. I think the regular season is a totally different thing. I think if you give Notre Dame a couple weeks to prepare, also I think big part of the reason, like yeah, that Cincinnati Notre Dame game pretty much makes it so that Notre. Notre Dame can't be in the playoff. But I also think that Brian Kelly leaving was, like, the... Even if Notre Dame had, like, beat Cincinnati, you put Baylor in above of Notre Dame. 
because you recognize that Brian Kelly leaving means this team is not going to go anywhere against an Alabama. And so, like, if you took Cincy out of the picture, which I think really frustrated in your homeboy, Mike Leach, being upset with players opting out of bowl games, I think it's totally fair for anyone to opt out of a bowl game, but I think you're going to see it more. Even the big dances, right? Even the even the most important ones, the New Year's Six Bowls, yes, the national unless championship, you expand the playoffs. You're not going to see them playing them. No, I think well, if you expand the playoffs, I don't see anybody skipping a first round playoff game. Really? No, no one skipped a conference championship game before. But the, but I mean that's the other problem though with expanding the playoffs is you've added up like you'll still have conference championships. Yeah, which I I'm actually kind of sympathetic to the idea that conference championship games are sort of first-round playoff games. I, I get it. I'm also sympathetic to the idea that we shouldn't even have them and just have, like, a good old table, like, you know... Like the Prem. Like the Prem. Or, like, you know, what we used to do. It was just, like, if you win the most games, you win your conference. And like Maybe. And, and, and then just use the playoff to settle the beef, you know, otherwise. Intentionally set up those matchups. I'm totally cool with a benevolent guiding hand. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm so fine with them, like, intentionally putting certain teams against each other. I They're going to say we didn't split, like, Alabama and Georgia so that there wouldn't, like... Be a rematch? Yeah. They totally... Alabama is not the number one seed. Michigan is the number one seed. Uh, yeah. And I, they're playing... I, I would have had, yeah, if I were breaking these fairly, Michigan, Cincy, and then Bama, Georgia, both of what I, which I will think will be better games than what we're getting... Even though I will say, I think Cincinnati's secondary is better than Georgia's. And Alabama is missing one of their top receivers. I don't think they'll make a huge impact on the outcome, but I do think Cincinnati's defense has the potential to su- surprise some people with what they can do against Alabama's offense. Because that unit is legit. It's Cincinnati's offense against the defense I'm worried about. Oh. A lot more than the defense against the Alabama offense. Because that secondary's got like two first-rounders on it. Mm-hmm. Eddie, oh, go ahead. You can't discount when you like automatically assume there's a huge jump between P5 and G5. Is a lot of these group of five players have been drafted high in the NFL draft and have had successful NFL careers. Like it's very possible that you can have some top tier talent at these schools, which I think Cincinnati does this year. Any uh, any final parting thoughts on college football? Uh. Besides, one last point I will make is that, yeah, the Heisman is kind of a total farce a little bit. It's a joke. It's a joke. Yes, it makes sense that Bryce Young won, given the traditional way we've always handed out the Heisman. Tell folks about Bryce Young. He is the quarterback of Alabama. He had a good year, a very good year statistically, but was never, like, unbelievable until the SEC championship game, and he... And the Auburn game where he pulled out the comeback drive that should have never been allowed to happen due to Auburn's poor clock management. Mm -hmm. And he gets rewarded with the Heisman Trophy because, A, the voters will never give it to a defensive player. No. And, B, uh, (laughs) they had no other attractive options given that Kenny Pickett, pit quarterback, great year, doesn't play for Bama. Yep. Therefore, he's at a disadvantage. C.J. Stroud lost to Michigan. That takes him out of running. And, like, one thing... Which I think Stroud fairly should be out of the running. Oh, yeah. He like, shouldn't even have been invited. It, no. it, it should have been, 
Will Anderson instead of Bryce Young. Look him up, folks. He's Alabama's linebacker, and he is the best player on that team. If you're not the best player on your team, you shouldn't win the Heisman. I'm sorry, Bryce Young. You're great. First-team All-American quarterback, maybe. Maybe over Pickett. You can debate. I would choose Pickett because I like him more. That's anti-Gamma bias on my part. Totally. So, but, like, no. You should not win the Heisman if you're not the best player on your team. And I think the Heisman gets wrong what's fun about college football. And uh, that's why I'm more impartial to Channel 6, which is Spencer Hall's, like, little thing, uh, which is the... Bradley Van Pelt Award, which is given to the most, the player who most exemplifies college football in a given year. Oh, it's Pinkett this year. No, it was a Jake Hayner of, Flor- of Fresno State. Oh, they give it some like tiny. Yeah, because week three, if you were <laughs> glorious enough to watch this game as I did in a hotel room in Oklahoma, <laughs> this guy Jake Hayner against UCLA, who was ranked at the time, he had no O line. He just stepped up there, got absolutely drilled, and just kept making clutch throw after clutch throw. And that's what's fun yeah, about no. football is that guy. Or Matt Areza, the punter of San Diego State. Any guy who can help me watching a football game at 1 a.m. hoping for a team to punt <laughs> has my respect and should win the Heisman. I mean, I, I don't, I don't again, like, I, I, I'm sympathetic to that claim, but I don't quite take it as far. Yeah. I think... <sighs> No, well, I, I think a combination of the two should win the Heisman of traditional who had the best narrative this year with, like, team success and big moments all taken into account and who just had, like, fun. Like, yeah. Like, who was fun to watch and who meant the most to their team. Totally. And I think that there's actually more overlap there than we would think. I'm not interested in is your team the best team in the nation. I'm much more interested in how much did you personally elevate your team and how much did your team outperform expectations because of your addition? Ooh. Which is my argument for... Hutchinson? Hutchinson. Absolutely. Hutchinson has had a lot of huge moments across the year. Mm-hmm. Massive sacks. Yes. Big, big tackles. Serious turnovers. Like, he's been everything you want yeah. from a defensive player. And, and all while, most teams are scheming away from him. Like, being in the press box against Michigan... Nebraska schemed most of their plays to the other side. Oh, so totally. They want to deal with them. Totally, totally. Which is the only way you can play against that team, yes. which is such a disadvantage. When you, one man, are a tactical disadvantage that the other team's offensive coordinator has to seriously consider week in, week out, no matter how you're playing, from the scout tape, we know, probably before the scout tape, watching Sports Center. When you're making people drop their bowl of Wheaties on the floor at 1 a.m. when Scott Van Pelt's talking about you because they've got to play you in six weeks, that's Heisman shit. That is what this award is about. And I don't care if you're not a quarterback. I don't care if you're not even an offensive player. That is exactly when you're doing things that people who are your opponents ahead of playing you and after playing you are saying, this man is a superhuman. Right? This man's incredible. That is the impact that he made. And the reason I'm so high on him is I didn't even watch him that much this year. But when I did, he was the most interesting Michigan player to watch. Yeah. And I never, I'm an offensive hack. I never say that about defensive players. But watching him made me want to learn more about the defensive side of the ball. Like, and, and, and watching the giant hole that man puts into the field. It's like a sinkhole. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, I, I just, it's incredible. And again, people are trying to duck him. And he's still able to be productive. Even, even Sue. If you could neutralize Ndamukong Sue, yeah. which was very hard to do, but if you could find a way to do it, then he was done. There is no neutralizing this man. There yeah. is no checking him. And I think he, if he moves forward from this with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, I think he's going to go out and show us what one defensive player can do in college football over the course of this playoff. And I, I hope to God that they get through Georgia because I think if they get through Georgia, they can get through Alabama. And I like this Big Ten against the world vibe. This would be my chosen champion of the Big Ten uh, this year. Like this, okay. <laughs> Hypothetically, besides Nebraska, if you were to pick a Big Ten champion in a given year, who would you pick? Oh, it's really hard. I have a lot of respect for Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is doing Ooh. exactly what we want to do. Uh, I, I understand why people don't like them. It gets tiring to lose to them. But just like on a personal level, it's like, oh, man, they are doing what Nebraska wishes it could do. Um, obviously I hate Ohio State. I'm, I have like a begrudging kind of like, ah, Michigan State's there. Like good for them. They exist. Um, but I think, yeah, Wisconsin or Michigan, like Michigan's really fun to cheer for. Um, they have a really fun fan base. They have great tradition. They have great history. They have a coach who I've always had an affinity for. The fact any guy who buys the Pope Air Force Ones is pretty goddamn cool. I love him as a character. Oh yeah. Football world. No, especially, he was not that much fun in the NFL because he didn't no. fit there. But you put him in that blue hat with the maize M, you and put him in and the khakis yeah. and the glasses. Yes. He's just, that's, he, that's iconic. He looks like a cartoon coach. He looks like Vince Lombardi in 2021. Yeah. Like, if, and, if you were to factor create the ideal Michigan coach for this time in football history, it would be him. Totally. I'm really high on Michigan. I both like their chances to win this title. Uh, if they can get kind of through the trap that college, because they should, they should be playing Cincinnati, and be. then they should be playing the winner of Alabama, Georgia. The fact that they have to play both is a severe, severe disadvantage. Um, also, the fact that Jim realizes this, and in the conference championship game, in the midst of a beatdown on Iowa, he's not mic'd up, but you can read his lips. He says, and again, pardon my French, we could be the fucking one seed. When he decides to go for it on a fourth down late in the game. Wasn't that the situation? Yeah. Late in the, he doesn't need to do this. But he's gonna. That is, I mean, that is some Mr. Heisman, the coach shit. Yeah. Right? That is some Vince Lombardi stuff. That is some Newt Rockney stuff. That is like serious levels of impressive grit. I think Michigan's gonna use this as a springboard. I think this helps their recruiting immensely. Uh, within the Big Ten yeah. and across the Upper Midwest, I think Michigan's back, baby. I'm really excited for them. Uh, Michigan is my favorite team in college football right now. But here's the other thing I would say: that is my argument for the gentleman from Michigan, Hutchinson. It is also my argument for the pick quarterback. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Love that Who man. made a bigger deal to their team than that guy he on the offensive side of the boat? I don't care. I, Dude, I, Kenny Pickett was so much fun and. Yes. The man has a rule named after him. Yes. The picket rule. Anytime you invent a play so cool, they have no choice but to ban it. And for good reason. <laughs> no, it's it's so bullshit. You it, shouldn't it, be allowed to do it's that. One of, it's one of my favorite principles of sports that appears a lot in football. 
and sometimes basketball, and I'm sure other sports too, is the, uh, the let me see if I can get away with this. Yeah. Like the, which is the fake slide. There is no reason to do that other than just like, will they let me? And then he did it, and they're like, can he do that? He's like, well, I did it, and he ran it for a touchdown. And like, the next week, they banned it. Just like, just so no one gets any bright ideas. Like that is legendary stuff. That is that so is cool. like that was the Heisman moment. That is that is Army stealing line. the goat from Navy college football fun. That that yes. would be the greatest Heisman moment ever. And I, like, I, I'd say yeah. Upon my lifetime, there's very few that would compare to that. That none of them that I thought were cool have resulted in anything getting banned. So like that's got right, 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 right. What what do you think have been the greatest Heisman moments over the course of our lifetimes? I like the Johnny Manziel play against Alabama. Alabama had not lost in two years, or something like that. Yeah. Where he lost the football going up, caught it, spun around, hit a wide open receiver. And like Lamar Jackson against Florida State because Florida State was the big cheese at the time, and that he corked off a seventy yard touchdown run. Right. And where he broke like five tackles and spun. Right. He's got to have that Johnny Rogers feel. Yeah, it's got to have that. And then RG3 against Oklahoma, where he threw a pass that was, like, deflected <laughs> 30 yards in the air and found its way perfectly into wide receiver right. hands. What I love about that, Heisman... That Kenny Pickett moment would be in that class. Oh, And we haven't had anything in that class in forever. No. I think uh, Jameis Winston had a drive that I thought put together was improbable pass after improbable pass. Uh, he was at Florida State, right? Yes. Uh, in the national championship game, but that was after the Heisman was already awarded to him, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, and, like, I think he was, yeah, he was a lot of fun to watch in college especially. Much more than he is now. But, um, although I, I like him and I think that he's, like, the best we got right now. So I thought it was so funny how he broke his ACL yeah. or something that celebrated in the locker room on one crutch. This team makes no sense. But um, the Saints have really entered the territory of the weird this year. That's the entire NFL. I'm I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to be mad about it. There is no good team in the NFL this year. Everyone is bad. Everyone is bad. And this this is the best year in recent memory. Because I legitimately have no idea who's going to do anything. The playoffs are going to be some of the best playoffs in a long time, I think. Seriously. (laughs) Uh, presuming they don't get canceled due to Omicron, which, like... They won't. I think they might have to bubble. I, like, okay. One thing is, like, A, we played last year when there were games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and no vaccine. That was was incredibly dumb. (laughs) There's a vaccine now. There's protocols in place for what to do if a team doesn't have enough players. And if you're missing some players due to COVID... And, like, your vaccination rates are high enough, well, tough shit. You don't have those players. Go out there and play the game with who you've got. I think that's what they'll do until the end. Like, really? Because, like, Bomani Jones kind of put it this way, and, you know, he's a really smart guy who's mostly on the right side of things. He's like, is player, can you say that, like, player safety is especially threatened right now if they're vaccinated? Like, no, yeah. I mean, these so, are so, like, young, so, able bodied people yeah, taking so a reasonable risk. The games. So, be in like. I think a no. canceled season seems unlikely to me. I think a vastly altered season seems likely to me. I, I think vastly altered in the way these past NBA playoffs were, due to all the injuries and, and whatnot. 
producing sort of random results in most series is right. going to be the outcome. I do not see this being, you know, one playoff game has fans, one doesn't, or one team, you know, can't play. Like, no, they're, we're going to see probably, like, a good handful of key guys out of the playoffs, but, you know, nothing's going to dramatically change the face. The, the, the train is going to roll whether these guys are passengers or not. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's a that's that's reasonable. 